Hey everybody, welcome back to The Spiritual Gangsters. My name is Teresa, your host, and I'm with my co-host, OG Spiritual Gangster and Wizard, NY Patriot. Say what's up. Yo, yo, what's up? Thank you. <laughs> and today, I'm really excited to talk to our guest. Uh, he's one of my favorite people on Instagram. Uh, he is a biomechanic and movement therapist, author, TEDx speaker, owner and founder of Level 8 Center in Lebanon, and survivor of the Lebanon bomb blast. So today mm. we have John Haddad. Thank you for coming, John. Thank you for having me. That was one hell of an introduction. Thank you. <laughs> you have a lot of accomplishments. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, <laughs> speaking about them, yes. Speaking about them, yes. It's kind of nice. It's kind of nice to see I hear them. Yeah, when you list them all out, it's like, cool, yeah, I've done a lot of stuff, right? <laughs> That's Thank awesome. Thank you for yeah. me. I'm really looking forward to this. Thank you. Thank you for coming, honestly, and, um, you know, working with the time difference and everything, because you are quite a, many hours ahead, so yeah. I appreciate that. From the um, future. It's sunny out, so we're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think to get started, like, I, sometimes I like to say how I know the guest, so I think you and I met on Instagram in, like, a chat group, probably. Yes, yes. Like, in sometime in 2020, I don't even know what month or how early into it it was. I think it was pretty early. Yeah, it was pretty early. It definitely was pretty early. Yeah, I think it was a, just a group of like-minded individuals from a large variety of backgrounds. It's like one yes. of the most interesting groups I was in, I think. Definitely, most definitely. I remember that one. I remember that one. Yeah, and then um, from there, we just, like, kept in touch, which is really nice, so... Absolutely. It's been Absolutely. good to have you as a support through this whole crazy turmoil of the last few years. That was a little blessing in disguise where we got to interact with a lot of people from around the world. So it was it was good in the in that sense. Yeah, for sure. And then can you tell us like a little bit about your background and like even your work and everything just to give people a sense absolutely, of who you are. Absolutely. So I, I opened up Level 8 uh, Center in Beirut, Lebanon at around, around the end of 2010, beginning of 2011. And it kind of uh, took this uh, transition into becoming uh, a place for movement therapy. It opened up as a, as a center for you know, dealing with injuries and sports and stuff like that. And then it kind of transitioned into becoming full on just movement therapy, kind of the real estate here. You know, uh, we I'm in the middle of Beirut, so a little bit the area is a little bit small here. So the real estate kind of took us to not anymore having anybody doing uh, any like training or anything and just focusing on more like rehabilitation stuff, people dealing with injuries and stuff like that. And it took a turn. And then as I, I uh, you know, as this uh, developed, I started discovering new things and new things, learning from people around the way. I wrote my uh, own course and I started giving courses in 2014. And then I wrote my own course in 2017 based on exactly what I do now. And I've been giving that all around the world uh, since then, of course, during the pandemic and stuff like that, that kind of, eased off and I went online and then now I'm back uh, back and working again back to traveling the world uh, and teaching the courses again and that was uh, that's basically what I do and we of course we have a the set in the center here people come in every day you know we used to have more people coming from abroad wanting to train with us and fixing their their injuries we have a different look and a different take on on where the injuries actually stem from 
And I think we, we kind of get deeper into the root cause of the injury and we fix it from there, which is kind of like our take on health and stuff like that. So it kind of changed a little bit the perspective and people started seeing us as a last resort. So they started coming in more and more and that's what we got known for. So now it's, uh, it's been going pretty well. I have to say I'm blessed. Thank, thank God, you know, I'm blessed and it's been doing pretty well. And with all these hard times, we're we're still on the uprise. So it's been doing okay. Yeah, that's awesome. I see that you like you traveling the world, like through your Instagram stories and stuff. And I'm like, man, this is so cool. And you work with like professional athletes, like footballers and all yes, sorts yes, of he's people. right there, right oh, that way. He's right oh, there. Yeah. Yeah. You're uh, one of your main clients, jerseys. Yes, that's uh, that's the one of my main uh, main people that I uh, I'm working with. I've been working with him also since April 2020. You know, did a lot of online stuff, and then we got uh, uh, we got together after that. So it's been a it's been a fun ride. I can't I can't uh, complain. That's really I cool, honestly. So you, I guess you have like a, a, a different take on like biomechanics. That's what makes you like more individual. Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. Like that's why that's where the book came up. I wrote the book based on that. I have a different take on how muscles function based on the stuff that we have from the old anatomy. I have a different take on how muscles function. And I've based my whole work around that. And then I decided to start, you know, jotting it down, writing it down, and it basically turned into a book. That's so cool. Well, at the end of the day, yeah, it turned into a book. Very and, cool. Uh, yes. Yeah. And then um, one of the things that I think really got us like talking about more like spiritual stuff was you showed me those pictures of your house where like the window had a, like an oil stain on it of a cross. Right. Was it yeah. two windows? It was two windows. I live on the eighth floor and uh, and we have basically no um uh neighbors whatsoever and there's no way to come up we don't have a fire escape or anything like that whatsoever uh or 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 any of the sort here in lebanon so we only have one stairs so this window is actually out on the balcony we have our balcony closed with like curtain glass and this was out on the balcony my daughter was the first one to see because we have like little blinds and the sun was shining and she's like hey what's that what's that what's that she ran outside and then we noticed that there was a cross of oil there. And uh, that was sometime in May. Um, and then I forgot the exact date, actually. And then 17 days after that, another one appeared on the opposite window. So that was on the north side. Then one appeared on the east side window. And, uh, and it was really like, it kind of like freaked us out in the beginning and... <laughs> And, uh, and didn't freak us out. You know, like we didn't know what to feel, to be honest with you. And like, we don't have anybody with us at the house. And that was like pandemic time. Nobody was coming over anybody. You know, there was nobody, nobody was visiting anybody. It was just us at the house. We don't have anybody there. Nobody could have pranked us and put it there. Like it was just me, my wife and my daughter. So we're like, okay. And it kind of like, we didn't really talk to a lot of people. I talked to just one friend of mine who's, who's really into the spiritual world and stuff like that. I talked to him and uh, he said that, you know, maybe through these hard times, but whatever, like you're going to be okay no matter what happens. And then lo and behold, we, uh, I think we kind of find out, you know, what, what, uh, 
the reason for that was, you know, and, and again, I was very weary when I put the post out about putting it out or not putting it out because a lot of people lost their lives and a lot of good people, mm. a lot of innocent people lost their lives on that day. And I didn't want to kind of like, you know, it, it was a little bit, um, I don't know what to say. It was a little bit, should I post it? Should I not post it? Should I post it? Should I not post it? But I kind of found the right text right with it because I didn't want to mm-hmm. anger anybody or make anybody angry because, of course, we all felt uh, uh, sad after that day and we all felt kind of really emotional after that day. And a lot of people, a lot of good people lost their lives. A lot of people lost their homes and still don't have their homes. A lot of people lost uh got uh injured and and their injuries are still with them forever i'm talking physical of course mental everybody you know but physical injuries a lot of people are still injured from that from that and it kind of made me think okay so why were we chosen why weren't the other ones chosen gives you this this eerie feeling like you don't understand and it kind of made me hesitant a little bit if I should post it or I shouldn't post it, but I ended up thinking, yes, I should, because people need to see this. And, and, and I believe, honestly, I believe that all of Lebanon was kind of blessed on that day because the size of the explosion, this was the biggest non-nuclear explosion in the world. The size of that explosion should have taken out far more many people than it actually did. And oh, wow. uh, we I have, didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was huge. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a, it was a huge explosion, the biggest on nuclear, the only bigger explosion was Hiroshima. And that was the only one that was bigger than this. And that was a nuclear explosion. So this was the only non-nuclear explosion that was this big, the biggest ever. And it, yeah. it was, it was devastating. And we had wheat silos. So if you take like the, the radius, I think half of the blast went into the sea because it was right on the port. And right. then half of Beirut got blocked by the wheat silos, which is basically where we store all our wheat for the whole year, uh, all of Lebanon's wheat uh, to be uh, to be exact. So, And then so only part of it hit part of Beirut, uh, the east side of Beirut. So that was the only damaged part. So we were, the people who were injured here seeked help from the hospitals there because all our hospitals were gone. So if, wow. if that wasn't the case, we would have just, people would have just bled out and, and died, you know. That's crazy. It would, yeah, that would have been disastrous. It would have been disastrous. I didn't realize like how big the explosion was. Like I knew it was massive for sure, but like to be only second to Hiroshima, that's pretty crazy when you put it that way. So, so today, Teresa, actually, uh, uh, something happened today where we actually developed like the wheat silos are still standing there. Yeah, there's there's the there's the wow. explosion. That's yeah, pretty that serious. Was tremendous, like. Yeah, seeing that again was is like is like shocking, you know. That was yeah. Imagine seeing that like crazy. in real life. I couldn't. That's fucking insane. Yeah, no. I mean, the the reason we actually have these is because there was a fire there. Nobody takes a picture of a bomb. You cannot. But there was a fire there that lasted for around half an hour or an hour, and people were on the rooftops. It's summer. People were on the rooftops drinking and stuff like that. Six o'clock sunset is about to happen. You know, having a drink with their friends and stuff. And we just, you know, lockdown after lockdown. And so people were out and having fun. So a lot of people were just filming and filming the fire and just oh look showing their friends. And then it happened. You know. And so that's why we have so much footage of the actual oh, okay. because it okay happened. so there was a fire there first and then the explosion 
Yeah, fire oh. stayed there for a while, and then it became worse. The fire and worse and worse and worse and worse, and then, and then at six oh four, boom. Gotcha. And where were you when that happened? I was in this office. I was on my way out. <laughs> I was actually giving an online session uh, on a, on my selfie stick on this, and I was on my way out. I was almost finished with my online session. And I was on my way out, and the first thing we felt was a little tremor because, as I was saying before, today, the wheat silos, we got a, we got a email from uh, the French embassy saying that the wheat silos might fall, and if they do, dust is going to uh, come out like toxic dust. And they said in a 1,500 meter radius. So we actually went onto Google Maps and checked how far we are from the actual uh, uh, silos. And if you go in a straight line, we're 2.2 kilometers away. So we're actually outside of the of the red zone that they actually said for the toxic. But imagine 2.2, and we were still considered in the deep red zone of the blast. So. 2.2 kilometers is pretty far. Imagine the people that were closer there. So we have a lot of more residential areas, offices in that area that are actually closer to that area, uh, right, right there. So making us a little bit further out, 2.2 kilometers away, uh, we felt a little tremor first. And so unfortunately, we have a history of bombs here. So we actually thought, me and my coworker here, Joseph, actually thought that the explosion happened because that's yeah. what usually feels like. When the explosion happens, you feel like a tremor. And it was a far away one. So me and him both, he was in the, in the gym, I was in my office. We both made our way back into the, uh, to, like, to the windows to see where the smoke is going to come out from. And that's when the windows broke and that's when the blast happened and you know the, the, the air bubble, I don't know what you want to call it, like the impact. And that's when everything just went to, uh, it went to hell basically. And, you know, and then, uh, you know, you, you don't know what happened. My selfie stick flew out. I'm a pretty big guy, so I didn't fall, but my coworker did. Joseph fell. He flew away from the, like, when he's very lucky too, because that area, I actually sent you a picture of the balcony. He's very lucky because he's, head was on the balcony uh window i didn't make it back to the window in time his head was on the balcony window and luckily the aluminum there was actually weaker than the glass so the aluminum flexed out and just uh, like kind of hit him in the head the the whole window and it didn't break the glass so he's very lucky oh, that, wow. that that happened to him or else he would have had a worse than than me he would have had a worse than me so as I was saying, like, it's a lot of people, like, I think all of Lebanon was kind of blessed that day. Of course, a lot of people lost their lives, God rest their soul, but a lot of people, um, it could have been much worse. It could have been much worse. Yeah. No, it seems that way, honestly, like, and I don't know, like, your thoughts on it or, like, your thoughts um, and why on the cause of the blast, like, yeah. do you guys think that it was intentional do you think it was accidental? Like, and you know, I'm not scared to speak out uh, at anything. But so my my wife was so my work and my building are on the same floor, on the eighth floor of, of our building in Beirut. And my wife was on that balcony having a coffee because we were going out for dinner. And the funny thing is, you know, conspiracy theories and all that stuff. As bad as the Lebanese government is, no government in the world will lock down for COVID. So they decided to lock down Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, open on Tuesday and Wednesday and lock back down on 
Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, because the COVID cases were rising and everybody was making fun of them. They started joking. All the comedians was joking like, oh, so COVID only comes out on Tuesday, uh, like disappears only on Tuesday and Wednesday. <laughs> only on the weekend it comes. Yeah. 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 And the explosion <laughs> happened on Tuesday and everybody was going out that day because everybody mm. was kind of like, okay, finish. You know, we don't want to sit at home anymore. Me and my family were getting ready to go out. So she was on the balcony having a tea before getting ready to go out, sitting on the balcony. And she ha she still has a kind of a trauma built in from the Civil War and from the, we always have fighter jets, uh, you know, zooming over us the our israeli fighter jets and stuff like that so she's kind of still traumatized so she heard them and she heard them very loudly and she says she saw them and when she did she ran inside the house and she wanted to go you know go to my daughter's room and she was playing in her room and then the blast happened if she didn't she's a really small girl she would have been out the window the blast would have taken her out for sure she would have got, she would have fell eight floors. It, it would have been, it would have been, you know, finish. Maybe yeah. that's what the second cross was for, because we're still waiting for the first and the second. We don't know what the second one is for yet. But yeah, maybe those are the two, but I don't know. Well, when you said before, when you were um, speaking about where you were during the blast, and you said, like, you know, you're kind of, like, used to hearing explosions. Like, you know, it's not like, I don't, it's unfortunate that it's, like, you know, part of your country's history yeah. right like unfortunately you know, unfortunately yeah. so you're like you hear something and you're like see where the smoke was gonna pop out of you know that's what we were waiting to see we were just gonna see where the smoke was popping out of and that's and, and i lived uh, also i grew up in los angeles so i knew it wasn't an earthquake i know what an earthquake feels like you know because we get them all the time there and i knew it wasn't an earthquake some people thought it was an earthquake you know the people further away felt a tremor and then i believe i have security cameras here so i think it was around seven seconds after the tremor when the blast happened so i didn't have time to make my way back to the window i was turning around i'm a slow mover you know turning around making my way back luckily i'm a slow mover so also i was lucky because if i was anything closer it would have been worse than this so yeah it would have been worse and yeah. then, yeah, I remember seeing footage uh, of what, like, your wife described of, like, the Jets. I yes. remember seeing footage of that. Did you see that, NY? I didn't that? because I was... Oh. oh, you didn't see that? Oh, we just lost the yeah. mic. Oh. Hold on. Okay. I think he might have unplugged himself, maybe, by accident. Oh, your maybe. Mic, your mic isn't working now, John. why it's good it's not live right <laughs> eh, that's so weird let me see if i can uh i can't i can't muted it by accident that's so weird Shit. oh he's muted yeah i don't know uh i can't unmute him. john you're john you're muted your mic is muted you might be able to click on your there you go oh, that's, there you that's go. my bad all <laughs> right. it's all right it's all right it's <laughs> okay i don't edit. know how that happened we right, can edit that out 19 19 minutes in not a problem <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> You're fine. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. So yeah. A lot of yeah. people actually saw and heard the jets. A lot of people actually saw and heard the jets. It wasn't just my wife. There's footage of people looking in the sky and looking at the jets. And unfortunately, we don't have any footage of that anymore. A lot of people got assassinated after that. That they don't mm -hmm. talk about anymore. A lot of like the, the first people 
on the scene, journalists and stuff got assassinated and you know, it is what it is. You know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of higher up people got assassinated and we still don't know who killed them. So I'm actually not looking for answers anymore. I, I, I never was, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't care. You know, as long as yeah, I don't, I don't think the why really matters as much just, you know, that it happened. And now there's, you know, funny enough, lots of things happening with food supply around the world. So, you know, make your own conclusions, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember yeah. when, the, when that first happened, wasn't it being said that it was a different type of plant at first or everybody was assuming? Yeah, they said, so funny enough, five minutes after the explosion, Trump was the president at that time. He went up and he said the port, the port of Beirut got attacked. Then, of course, mainstream media came into play. They kind of changed the narrative and they said it was a mistake of our government that they had stored uh, ammonium nitrate there. Oh, wasn't it fireworks or something too? Next to fireworks, yeah. exactly. exactly. Next to fireworks and it caught a blaze and the fireworks caught a blaze and then so ammonium nitrate is basically high grade fertilizer. And sorry, excuse my language, but shit doesn't blow up like that. Could <laughs> 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 you imagine? Oh my god. Shit doesn't blow up like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. I mean, if you look at the like the the, the mushroom, I'm not an explosion expert or anything. Yeah, the the way they exploded cloud. in the cloud. Oh yeah. my god, come on. That's got to be oh. some kind of test they did on us. You know, it has to be. It has. To, and who knows? You will never know the answers. You know, we'll never yeah. know the answer. And yep. it's better not to look for them. You know, I want to stay alive. Yeah, <laughs> right. And then, like, what um, what injuries did you sustain yourself and your wife and your daughter? Were well, they okay? Nobody else got injured but myself. Nobody else. Okay. So oh, okay. Joseph, who was here, got a little bump on his head, which was... Nothing too bad. I mean, just a couple of days of ice, maybe mm -hmm. a couple of uh, uh, Panadol, and he was all good. I was, and because I'm, uh, yeah, you can see here the my lip kind mm -hmm. of under my beard and uh, my forehead and then my hand, which isn't in this uh, picture, but I think there's another one with it. I don't know um, if I got the hand, sorry. Uh, I think it's where, where the one I'm lying in the emergency room. I don't know if that's up Oh, there. yeah. You know what? I didn't want to show that one because I was like, I don't know if with all that blood, if it's too graphic for YouTube. I mean, you know, they'll ban okay. certain things okay. for no reason. So, <laughs> you know. Okay. <laughs> you know, I could show something else and it's totally fine in that picture. Yeah. Too much. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, YouTube. I understand that. I understand that. Uh, so my head, it was pretty, pretty cut, pretty wide open. And yeah. I didn't know at the time. I just saw blood. I didn't know what it was. And, uh, and again, luckily, I made it out of here in eight minutes. So we spent most of our day barefoot in the gym. The whole gym was glass. I don't know how I found my uh, my shoes without getting any cuts. My wife opened the door. I saw them both. They were hysterical, but I saw that they weren't, weren't injured. Uh, and so I just had to get out. And Joseph was fine and uh, we had a client here. She was fine. So I was actually in the car. And this was, of course, I didn't time myself, but I saw the footage of the cameras after that. I was in the car eight minutes after the blast happened. Went to the first hospital that was the closest here. So at that time, we had no idea what had happened. Like nobody knew. We thought yeah. initial, we thought that something exploded right under us. That was it. Then when you get out into the open, you see all this glass. And then you start moving further away and the glass is still there on the on the asphalt 
on the streets and you move further away and it's still there, you start to understand kind of, okay, it's, it looks like something bigger, but I really didn't think of it that time. My only thought was making it to the hospital. So we got to the first hospital, which is like a stone's throw away from, from my building here. And they said, get out of here. Our hospital is complete broken. So our emergency room is gone. I, we said, okay, where do you recommend we go? So there's like this security guy standing outside. He says, get out of Beirut. So we're like, okay, so where do you recommend? So he said Mount Lebanon Hospital. So we drove like for 10 minutes. We got stuck in crazy traffic because everybody was hysterical at that time. And I had like a, like a big towel over my head uh, to hold my injuries. And then when we got stuck in traffic, I removed the towel and one lady from outside saw my injuries. And so she opened the door and she stopped the motorcycle and he got me on top you know, on the motorcycle. He was able to like whisk through the traffic to get me to the hospital. Oh shit. And then Joseph oh, wow. in the car just, you know, waited until the traffic. And so I ended up walking into the emergency room and I had my hand like this and this hand was cut. And I said, Hey, I'm injured from the explosion. And they thought it was only my hand. They're like, sorry. <laughs> Sorry, sir, you have to wait a little bit. We have some more serious stuff. And you're like, no. And they're like, get inside right now. And so I went inside. I went inside. And I'm, I'm really like, I was like, I still got a bed because I'm going to tell you the story as the story develops. Like, I got a bed in the emergency room. And I was lying down. And then the first doctor came in and she said, hey, I think you might have a cut in your artery here, in your main vein here. So we're going to, I'm going to have to wait for the special doctor to come in and check you out. I say, okay, where is he? He's like, he's right there. And I look over and we're in the same room. We're in a little like um, uh, a room that's around 16 meters squared. And we ended up being around 35 people in that room with the doctors and stuff like that. And uh, he was treating a, a little nine-year-old kid who had lost his eye and, mm. and who was brought in by his 14-year-old brother who had no skin left here. It looks like somebody just scraped it off. It was horrendous. And th this 14-year-old kept asking for a phone. He wanted to call his parents. He kept calling his dad, saying, Dad, I can't find mom. I, I have stories for days, man. Like, for really, it was like, it was horrendous. And then once that doctor finished with the kid, I have no idea what he did with him at that time or anything. But once they got him stable and they were able to stop the bleeding and stuff like that, he came to me. He says, "Yeah, you're lucky. Uh, your artery isn't, uh, you know, it isn't uh, broken. So all we have to do is stitch you up." He stitched me up. He pressed really, really hard here, so it doesn't form a hematoma because I was still bleeding. He stitched. Yeah. Uh, he didn't stitch this up because he said I might have a torn tendon here. They stitched this up. No, no anesthesia here. That hurt more than any of the other injuries. This one here on your list. Oh my god, <laughs> anesthesia, and then. And then they're like, okay, then at that time, they still didn't get the crazy, 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 like, um, people who were really close because people couldn't get to them. They couldn't so get out. Yeah. The crazy, you know, oh. people with the crazy injuries yet. I was still one of the worst in the hospital. And then as he finished, he's like, yeah, okay, I got to take your blood pressure now to take it. And then he was trying to work the machine. And then these crazy cases started coming in. One of the hospitals here that was close by. All of their staff, the people who were inside, they had to move them to different hospitals because the hospital broke. Uh, and so St. George Hospital. And so they actually started moving them to different hospitals. And there are stories of, of like little uh, like nurses 
holding babies who were still in the like intensive care unit of the baby and they were walking with them in the streets of Beirut to other hospitals. It, it was, it's crazy. It's crazy, like, the amount of stuff oh. you, you see happening. That's and, insane, uh, for sure. And so he couldn't catch my blood pressure. I'm pretty sure it was over the roof. I said, doctor, I'm fine, mm -hmm. man. I'm awake. Let me just get home. My blood pressure is going to be through the roof. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm scared shitless. Let me just go home. And then we started seeing these crazy cases. And every two, three minutes, a family would walk in shouting their, you know, their lost person's name a family member oh, wow. they're looking for them they don't know where they are and and i and uh, i remember having my my wife's uh, my wife no my my brother's wife's brother i don't know where he is at that okay so his brother-in-law basically he was with me in the room at the time and i remember telling him, tony i'm gonna close my eyes you have to walk me outside i can't, can't see any more blood or, or or you know people dying and a lot of people were dying right next to us because this was one of the closest hospitals to the area. And that's when the crazy cases started coming in. You know, people with just like these horrendous injuries that, and I honestly, Teresa, I, if I kept my eyes open, I could have had a little more visual to tell you, but I closed my eyes oh. on the way out. I couldn't. And, I don't and that's, blame you. It was still like 930. I still didn't know what happened. I still didn't know what happened. I still didn't know. Nobody showed me any videos yet. I still had no idea what was happening. So my brother took me home and we're driving up and my brother and his brother-in-law and myself were in the car and we're going up the mountain. And a lot of my friends came into the hospital at that time and I told them, please go to my wife, let her pack a bag and let, let her get out of Beirut. We're gonna go to my mom's house. And uh, so on my way up uh, to the mountain, I got a lot of phone calls, you know, we're glad you're fine. And you know, everybody's just checking up on us and stuff like this. So we get up to the mountains, which is like a half an hour drive. My brother said, I'm going to stop at the pharmacy, get some medication for you. At that time, my his brother was like, hey, you want to see what happened? And I said, yeah. And he shows me the video of the blast, the, the very famous video that was taken from a rooftop uh, pub that, you know, you see the initial blast and the craziness happen and stuff like this. And I called my wife. I said, you have five minutes to get out of Beirut. She's like, why, why, what's happening? She thought that there was another explosion. I said, I have no idea because... After seeing the explosion, I didn't know if there was some kind of chemicals in the air. I didn't know if there was, if our building was going to fall. I have no yeah. idea. I said, yeah, five minutes. I said, give me, you know, my friend Ali on the phone. Give, give me the phone. I said, five minutes. You carry her out of the damn house. You know, I don't want her staying in the house anymore for them five minutes. And though, so they eventually got out of the house in five minutes and they went and got, we, we got, got up to the mountains and, Again, this is another blessing because a lot of people still don't have their homes back. We were able to wow. go up the mountains and stay there for two months until our home and our work got fixed and, and renovated again and fixing everything. And and we were still had a roof over our head and food on the table and all that stuff. So, and nobody helped us, Teresa. No government helped us. And they didn't give anything. Yeah. That's crazy, honestly. Like... Yeah, and all the repercussions that can happen after, like you said, like your building could have fallen later or whatnot. I like called, I called the engineer the next day to check up on the foundations and stuff, and he said everything's yeah. fine. And so, and though the windows with the crosses, did they break or no? They're still there. They're still, They're still there. there. There's and we haven't cleaned them either. You know, we don't clean that. <laughs> no, don't clean it. Oh my god, we're not going to. We're not going to. That's crazy. So there's still, and that's your home, right? Not your work. Yes, that's my home. That's my yeah. home. Yeah. 
That's wild. My it's wife is kind of a, like a clean freak, so and she has, <laughs> so she just makes like a little, like a little uh, turn around them, and she cleans it, and you can still see them it's still there. Wow, that's unbelievable. Um, and then, like, how did that experience kind of like affect you? I guess like faith wise. Honestly, it took me, it really helped my faith. It took me back to the, to like, uh, of course, I was always a believer. I think it took me a little bit further than that. And it really changed my, my views on, uh, on the way, like, I, I, I never felt that I needed to, to kind of convince anybody, you know, of anything. Like, I never went and kind of like, wanted to like, uh, uh, how do you say it? Like kind of say, no, you have to believe on this or you have to believe in that. I was never that person at all. And that actually made me not want to tell people anymore. They can see the, my story. And if they want to believe it, they can believe it. They don't, they don't. But besides my story, again, I'm going to say it, you know, uh, on, on this podcast, besides my story, there's thousands of this in Lebanon. We should have had tens of thousands of deaths in Lebanon. Yeah. It was a horrendous, horrendous bomb with our infrastructure and our, in our, you know, we had a financial crisis at the time. So the hospitals ran out of stitches and we oh, still wow. only had, and I'm going to say like, and this saddens me to say this, like only the word only before this, but we only had 220 deaths from the biggest non-nuclear explosion in the world. And we're a very, very dense city like we're yeah dense. i was gonna say it's uh, probably i'm i've never been to lebanon but it uh, probably is more like europe where like housing is very densely oh, together yeah. and on it, top of each other and oh yeah, you know, Beirut yeah. Is a, it's a city of 2.2 2.3 million and oh, wow. you're talking about all of beirut uh, had damage all of the houses in beirut had damage even the ones that were protected by the wheat silos had a little bit of glass shatter, had a few statues fall, whatever. But the ones on the east side of Beirut all had like structural damage, windows yeah. broken, or even the ones closer had the buildings fall. How did only that many people make it out? And I, I went up and I actually told a story on Instagram about a, a, a friend of mine who was very close to the bomb blast. They call that area amazing. It was like, it's like this old little town in Beirut where they have like the old houses and stuff like that, traditional houses. And of course, at that time, they didn't use so much metal and there were only two stories. So those houses completely collapsed in that area. Like the old houses, the traditional houses completely collapsed. When he finally made his way out of the rubble and finally got to a little bit of open air, he wanted to, he needed to get to a hospital because he was really damaged, even worse than I was. And he had to walk to the main street, which is like at least a kilometer walk because oh. our ambulances couldn't go in because we have a little thin street that only fits one car and it was all rubble. So the ambulance couldn't make their way inside to pick up the injured. They find their way back there. A lot of people with motorcycles and little motorcycles started putting injured people behind them and trying to make their way. Luckily, we have a good community in Lebanon. You know, we're still closely bound, even with all the, the you know, the past wars that we've had and stuff like this, but people are still like the deep, like people are still deep, 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 deeply you know, like bound with each other and they help each other at any chance they get. A lot of people had to get, you know, like 
had to make their way out of there either on foot when they were really, really injured or by somebody had to take them on a motorcycle and find their way into the hospital. And this guy got to the first hospital. They said, we're fully booked. You, you're going to have to wait like three hours. His injuries couldn't wait. He went to the second one, third one, fourth one. He finally went to a really, really far hospital that's one of the worst hospitals in Lebanon. And he, they almost killed him there. And then eventually when stuff started to cool down two days later, he finally was able to move to a better hospital and he got good treatment. But he stayed in the hospital for around 10 days. Wow. Damn. It was crazy. It was crazy. Like, and their stories like this forever, like forever. Yeah. Like, that's everybody has a story. Like, it's crazy. It reminds me too, like, and for you, like, and why of like 9-11 almost, like when you hear the stories of people just like, helping each other that's uh-huh. kind of like the most amazing part to like come out of a tragedy like that is that people who th- think of other people when they could easily just like get out themselves you know absolutely absolutely yeah yeah you know something absolutely. i wanted to ask you uh john and i i don't mean to like you might have to repeat some stuff but um how far away again from this building where like i guess do you live or where you at when that happens so we, we just measured it today, actually, on Google Maps. We're exactly 2.2 uh, kilometers away from the uh, the blast site. So I think that's like a mile and a quarter yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. On the that's a straight line, of course, like straight line. And, and we're considered red zone, red oh. zone. So they, they had made the, yeah, uh, here everything was gone. Like my, my, my co-workers, so we're on the eighth floor and he he stayed his hamstring stayed cramped up for around a year after the explosion because he fell and he actually thought that the building was falling and so he was trying to crawl using his leg on the floor to make his way into the building because he thought like the building was falling and so that was his first instinct and because of like the trauma and him trying to push with his leg on the floor it you don't know what will happen because if you have like a window next to you and you're looking outside Everything was flying through the air. Everything. I have a I have a video on my Instagram that I didn't take, but it's there. It's one of the worst videos ever. You can see like the debris on the floor and the stuff like that. Everything flew. Everything. Like everything on the rooftops. We have water tanks on the rooftops here of our buildings. And so we put a lot of stuff on there because we don't get water all the time from the government. We don't get running water, so we have to store it. And we have like satellite dishes. Everything flew. Everything. Nothing stayed in its place. Nothing. And the and the reasoning for this building again. What was it again? I'm sorry. I just want to. I want to cover a couple of things like real quick. What was that? Uh, like the, all right. So you said the building, the the place was about whatever you know, two point two kilometers away. And what did you? Say, and what is the exactly like? I'm assuming you've gone past this building a million times in your life, right? Yeah. This was the port of Beirut. It's in the port. It's in the port of Beirut. It's one of the warehouses in the port of Beirut. That's where the explosion happened. Hmm. Yeah, no, so, I just, I, I find it, I find that whole there. thing very interesting. Sorry, yeah. Because, like, one, I, I mean, I've, I understand it is quite possible, but uh, it was almost like the situation, I can't remember that fucking kid's name now, where he was uh, shooting up those people. Um, it's like, you know, how did you even get the footage for this when it happened? What's the odds of somebody being around with a phone open filming that thing when it happened? I mean, who really catches explosions and bombs when they happen? Yeah, so like I was saying, (laughs) 
with this one. Oh, Kyle Rittenhouse, had- I was thinking of. Sorry. That was another weird thing. How they got all that on camera. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot of stuff. Yeah. We even have a slow slow motion footage of it. We haven't had slow motion. There was somebody who took slow motion footage of the explosion and showing like ripple effect of the explosion, how it started uh, uh, going through the windows and buildings and stuff like that. And I also posted that video online, like the slow motion one, slowly going through and through and through and through. Yeah, I've just Honestly, went. I, I mean, again, I have my little uh, like uh, my little beliefs on that. I have no idea, man. But you know, my belief is, of course, it was. I, my belief is we were attacked one hundred percent. Oh yeah, no, I, no I think that's. About it. I think that's uh, something no to think about. about it. Yeah. The, the thing with it is that it's, it's, I, I've often wondered, like, um, like with that situation, you know, you know, how do we know like the people who aren't involved are the ones filming it? It happened because they know it's going to happen and they want to show proof that the job was done. And then it gets fucking released on the Internet. Like, how do we know, like, where these sources of these videos are coming from? You know, I've always found that like uh, just I found Uh, that very weird. And I mean, and the other thing is, I'm I'm glad you're actually on because there's like a thing. I don't know if it's like some trending thing with Insta with Instagram and Twitter and the Internet. But a lot of people tend to think these things are also completely fake. You know, and I yes. think that is crazy because people regard the reason why it happened and the reason why we're told it happened may not be true, but that shit was real. And you're proof of that. Somebody got hurt. People got killed. That shit was not fake. Yeah. You know, and a lot of things get blown off as being fake. So I think it's really cool to have somebody who's like, uh, no, I was actually there. That shit was real. And I just find the. Uh, I find that whole thing very weird. Like, I mean, even on his social media, you had, I mean, uh, there's people who probably think that was like, you know, Bill Gates graphene fucking, you know, plant. You know what I'm saying? Like, you had the most craziest ideas. Of, oh, it was a Bill Gates warehouse that the fucking QAnon well, and the White Hats blew up and took the Q, out. The Q people Q saying, people uh, went retarded with this fucking subject, full retarded with this thing. Yeah, yeah, that they were talking about that there was tunnels underneath. And oh, that, yeah, it was that, kids like, being that. trafficked. Yeah, all, all sorts that. of fucking weird. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. To, save, to save the kids in the tunnels, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness. I think, <laughs> and that's kind of why, why, John, I was asking you how far away you were, I guess, because, like, if there was some really weird, shady shit going around, I'm assuming some people would notice some type of weird traffic going on with this building prior to it getting oh, blown. You know what I'm saying? Like... Let me tell you, the port of Beirut is a is a like a hub for for a lot of a lot of things. We we were actually the best port in the area, right? This is the port of Beirut. Everything comes in and goes from there. But the way Lebanon is is kind of divided is by uh, by basically by militias or political parties, and they're all against each other. And in the port of Beirut, it's the area where they're all mixed together, right? Mm. And so, Somebody was trying to smuggle something in or out. Trust me, we would uh-huh. hear about it the next day because everybody would say about it. Like if I was against you, my political party was against you, and I saw you doing some shady stuff, I would go ahead and just you know film you and put you on the news and stuff. There was yeah, no- like they call each other out almost. So it's oh, like, absolutely, yeah. in that area, you know, despite you know being a, a corrupt country as we are, but of course we're gonna call each other out on that definitely. You know, yeah, because they're almost like constantly at war with each other, right? So to me, it seems like whoever or whatever was responsible for this is above 
all that. You know oh, what I mean? Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember That's I remember when that happened, and I was in a group chat with a whole bunch of, I mean, not anymore, I just couldn't take it, but unfortunately, <laughs> but I was in a group chat with a whole bunch of, like, mainly QAnon people, and when that thing mm-hmm. happened, the amount of stuff I saw, I mean, probably no lie, probably for a week straight, these people mind-fucked a thousand theories about what happened there, and I was like, you're not going to know the truth, and this is probably part of it, is that now you have, you have a group of people mind-fucking some situation they'll never know about, and not paying attention to their own lives and whatever. Like, you're, you're stuck in this. And yeah. it was just, like, really weird seeing the stuff that people were coming up with. And I was like, I, I don't know. That was a very yeah. weird situation for sure, what happened. And then, you know, the people who are close to the, to the situation, like John and the people actually in Beirut, their main priority is, you know, like, make sure their family's okay. Yeah. Make sure that their their buildings and homes are all right. And it's like people far away from it are just theorizing all this nonsense, right? Not that it's nonsense, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's no, like I know those, what you're getting at for sure. That's not the actual priority um, of the situation at hand, right? People that actually, you know what? And and I, I totally I totally get what and why it's saying and, and, and what you're saying, Teresa, but, you know, and... and the funny thing is, people are still suffering from it today. Where this is going to be—it's almost our two-year uh, um, anniversary. Yeah, almost, Probably by right? the time this podcast comes out, it's going to be the two-year, August the fourth, and uh, and uh, and I'm a hundred percent sure that you know people are still. I'm still suffering from it. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, mentally, I haven't recovered fully yet. I'm on my way there. But I haven't recovered yet, and I think I also have a little bit more tools to help myself recover from this than a lot of other people do. But a lot yeah. of people haven't recovered from it. You know, a lot of people still suffer from it. And I didn't know how bad I had suffered mentally until I actually made my way back to my home. That's when, because up in the mountain, you're away from everything. You know, everything there is fine. You're not seeing anything here. And then you make your way back, and you have to sleep your first night in the home that tried to kill you, you know, and, yeah. uh, and every sound, you know, startles you, wakes you up, you know, you used to basically on the edge all the time. And then I'll pull that start to ease away and ease, 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 ease. And I'm still not comfortable with very loud noises. And if I'm not, if I'm not fully aware of my surroundings, noise wise, I get anxious and I'm going to leave. So really yeah. loud mediums, uh, like I don't go to concerts or nightclubs or anything like that, oh. but I like stadiums and stuff like that. I make my way out. Like I can't. I have to. Like I can't be. I need to hear everything that's happening around me. Yeah. No, I understand. I understand that for sure. Um, if you don't and then, me- like politically, John, after. Sorry. No, I was just gonna ask real quick. Oh, like, sorry. what's there? <laughs> what's there now? Yeah. Go ahead. Like what? Like I mean, what is it's in the place still, of that building now? Nothing, nothing. And why it's still it's still all rubble. That's we a, still haven't uh, cleaned it up. That's and what I was thinking. Speaking today that uh, the actual weak silos might actually fall and create some kind of toxic dust. And uh, and a lot of the homes in the area still hasn't uh, still hasn't like been rebuilt there. Uh, and if you if you Pay me a visit in Beirut. You're more than welcome. And if you take a, you can still see everything is still the way it is. Nothing has been, I mean, removed. Nothing has been. And in the beginning, we got all these different like 
Germans and French and Italians and, and, and uh, Americans and a bunch of people coming in to see how they will rebuild the port of Beirut. And, and we thought it was going to be the end of our financial crisis. And, you know, with all this new stuff happening, and we, nobody, nobody put a, put a, put a brick there. No, it was, it's still, it's still all completely demolished. Everything. I find oh, that no. funny though, that now all of a sudden you got that email today about the wheat silos potentially falling after huh? yeah and almost exactly two years to the day like that's really weird <laughs> yes. you know uh yes. and that they haven't rebuilt anything maybe that's on purpose that they've left it because more things are going to happen that's interesting that you mentioned wheat silos i didn't think of that because like that's used a lot in uh symbolism you know things of wheat on tons of stuff really, really? <laughs> yeah, that's true right when you Think about, and sorry, John, just for like physical reference, like the wheat silos, are they literally right at the port? Yeah, they're right there. Like that that structure that you see there, that's not mm -hmm. the actual building that had the explosion in it. That structure is the wheat silo. The building that had the explosion in is dust. There's nothing left. So it's, cra it's crazy though that the wheat silos didn't fall in the blast though. Yeah, they, they're really big and they're made out of, uh, what do they call them, like uh, reinforced concrete. So a lot oh, of okay. people there. Why do we have reinforced concrete on wheat silos? I have no idea. Most most countries have like tin, yeah. but yeah. we have reinforced concrete wheat silos. So Right. <laughs> wow. I guess they came in handy sooner. Or yeah, I just find it odd like that you'd have that kind of narrative like creeping up again about the oh the wheat silos are gonna fall and toxic dust is coming and it's almost like to I don't know like re-traumatize mm -hmm. rehaunt you know last, last yeah. year uh, during the anniversary uh, a lot of groups were made because people who lost uh, a loved one or somebody wants answers so yeah. last year they kind of formed these groups and they started going to people's like the the judges' homes and to the to the person. Who was in charge of the investigation because one of the guy the top investigators said five days you'll have your answer that's when on august the fourth right and here we are two years later we still don't have an answer to to who you know what happened or anything like this and so they formed like this group of people they went to people's houses a lot of angry people you know they beat up the bodyguards of the people trying to get into the to the homes of those people they want answers i want to know how my loved one died you know they want answers and so i think they're kind of this is kind of, a, I think, I hope at least it's a scare tactic to to lessen the amount of people that go down on that day. It could be not because knowing our government and the way they, you know, the incompetence of our government could actually happen and we could be inhaling toxic dust, uh, you know, sometime. But the timing kind of goes well with, okay, sit your ass at home, close your windows. And that's what, because that's what they said. They basically said, if you're, Further, if you're in that premises, you need to leave. If you're further away, close your windows for 24 hours and wear an N95 face mask. Handy. Everybody has an N95 face mask now in their home, which is handy, you know. And so that's what they recommended. And so, you know, it's a it's a good time for it. We'll have to wait and see. You know, we'll have to wait and see. It's just a it's a it's a time it's a time. You know, we packed our bags. You know, we're ready to go. You know, we have a backpack just in case if they do fall. I don't want to inhale that stuff. We had back yeah. to the for a few days, and we'll see. I'm sure my mom will be happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be happy for your visit regardless. Absolutely. Um, and then you were saying before, like, there was a financial crisis at the time, right? And then I feel like when 
we would talk sometimes after that happened, like things got even worse. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're at, we're at 20 times the black market rate now to what it is officially on the, on the, like if you Google now, if you Google a dollar to a Lebanese pound, it comes up as a thousand five hundred. And today you cannot get that from the bank or anything like that. Today in the black market, it's around 30,000. So it's 20 times. So that's how, how much inflation we have. And everything we have, we don't have anything that's made in Lebanon. With base. I mean, very little stuff that's made in Lebanon. We, we cannot sustain our own cells. So everything comes from abroad. And so everything is basically bought in the, in the, in the U.S. dollar, by the U.S. dollar. So, so police officers, let's say, his uh, salary now is worth around $50. You know, I, I remember speaking to you a few times telling you it was 200 and 100. Now it's worth $50. That's a, a police officer. So how is a police officer going to actually, you know, stand up for you or, 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 or save you from a, a thief or a guy with a knife? They don't care. It's $50. You know, he doesn't, he's not making a living even. You know, he has to probably look for a second job to kind of make ends meet. And uh, we have a, a huge electricity problem we're getting now. Uh, we're getting one hour today. Uh, for a year, we got three hours. Uh, one hour? One hour of electricity a day from the government. Yes, we have to what? figure it out the rest of the time on our own. How And how does one do that exactly? Yeah, I wouldn't right. even know like, where to so start. We always have electricity cuts in Lebanon, so everybody has their own generator or their hooked up take like rental of, of a generator power which is extremely costly so yeah. you're talking about five amperes of electricity which is something every Lebanese knows about now and which I don't I don't think you guys would know about is which would basically light up a light in a refrigerator you couldn't even put a, a, an air conditioning on you couldn't put a heat resistance on or anything like that's basically light TV refrigerator with five amperes uh, you're paying upwards of like $200 a month on that wow. for five amps of electricity. That's because you're taking from the generator. And the generators so, are gas powered usually? Diesel, diesel powered. And then you, of course, have to pay for the gas, but then there's, is there rations on gas? So we have, we're hooked up to three. I have my own and I give our building, the building behind us and the building in front of us. So we kind of shared now. We found a way to share the expenses of this generator. But for, for those three buildings, uh, and we're talking about 16 apartments here, which are not completely full. So 12 apartments here, uh, eight apartments in the other building, that's 20 and around 10 over there. So 30 apartments, we're paying around $12,000 a month on, on, on 30 apartments, which is a ridiculous number, a ridiculous number. And then you guys all share that cost? The 12,000. Yeah. yeah. 12,000. So yeah, it's 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 uh it's it's ridiculous. So and and we we really have to be careful what we put on and put off. So we don't, and we don't have electricity all the time. So we kind of put it off on times and it's yeah it's uh it's uh they keep us busy with with uh, with useless things. Yeah. Useless I'm, things. I'm surprised the United States didn't do something like that before they jacked up the gas. So you right. got to go out and get generators because we can't give you electricity anymore, but we're going to jack up the Who gas knows? now to run the generators. <laughs> Who knows what will happen? I think, I think we're a little bit uh, of a, of here. We kind of, that's insane. We're, we're, and I, I don't, 
mean this as a compliment. I think this is actually bad that we kind of adapt to shitty situations like this. And I think that's bad. You know, and I think it's really bad with us. It's not good because we don't stand up for our rights. You know, they, they took our money in the banks. We went down, protested for a few days, and then everybody's back at home. Well, what about all your life savings? Ah, uh, it's okay. It'll come back sooner or later. Yeah, what, did, what happened with that? How can they just, like, take still, your money? For years now, they, we still they haven't gotten our savings back. And, uh, and it's, it's long history. Nobody asks about it anymore. You know, nobody talks about it anymore on the news. Nobody protests about it anymore right now. And it's funny because I had a Danish guy visit me in 2021, and the electricity situation was similar to now. Like, it was coming three hours a day. And he saw how angry people are, you know, and that the electricity isn't coming he visited now in 2022, and he says, man, the electricity is still the same, but people don't give a damn anymore. They're just yeah. content with it. They're fine. We they just, just had to accept it and, like, move on, you know. like cause I, Figure out, you know. I kind of get it. Like, you know, to stay angry, it's energy draining, right? Like, course, same, here, same here with, like, masks and lockdowns and whatever. I'm sure it's going to come back in the fall, and it's like, People are, I feel like they're just going to accept it now. Yeah. Yeah, of course. You know? Because they're just used to it. Yeah. Right? They just want to get moving with their lives. We've lost so much, you know, that we just figure out what to do to to kind of sustain what we have and and kind of survival mode. It's basically survival mode. That's what it is. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like um, what you're saying about the Lebanese people, like they just, you know, kind of unfortunately adapt to like shitty situations. Canadians, we don't, okay, we don't, our way of life here is very different geographically and climate wise and all that. But also, we are very accepting of a lot of stuff. Whereas I feel like America is like literally the last, like you guys are like the last beacon. <laughs> like mm. you can't, you guys can't like fold because yeah. if you do, then everyone else is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's big how they time. made it, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we 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 wait and wait and wait and wait to see, you know, because you need people to stand up, you know, you need people to stand up and we can't just accept, you know, can't just accept yeah. what's happening. Well, I just find it funny how like, okay, so we're two years out from what happened in Beirut and now I think we're hearing about more like food shortages and they're trying to like impose um, fertilizer um, rules on farmers and all this kind of stuff, which is happening in uh, Netherlands and now here in Canada too. So I see like farmers are standing up, which is, is great. Right. I just find it funny how like that happened two years ago. Now all of a sudden your wheat silos may fall. Food plants are being blown up all over the world. We're buying wheat now in the black market. We don't have wheat. Luckily I'm not a bread eater. So I don't care. Like even in the store, like you can't get flour. Black market. We can't get bread. Black market. So people are actually selling bread in the black market. Like they bake bread and sell it illegally. Yes, because you're allowed one, one like, so we eat Lebanese bread, so it's like pita bread. So you're allowed one bag per family. And so they basically wait in line for like three, four hours, buy it for the rate of, let's say, a dollar. And then go sell it to you for three dollars. Then they make. Come on! You know, I, I hate to ask this question. Maybe I'm just, you know, I'm sorry if I don't know. Is is, is your country socialist or communist? No, we're not. We're not communist. That's for sure. We're different. We're uh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not too familiar with the political stuff. Yeah. But, uh, we're we're uh, we're well, democracy. 
once you get in line for food, I consider that on the verge of it. I hate to say. Yeah, it's. it's I mean, Russia was like that. that way. The whole world is going in that direction. I know, no, I know. I'm not. I'm not just oh, pointing the right. finger at your country. I'm just saying, like, that's that's some Russia shit. That's Russia communist shit. I'm not sure. You're supposed to be a democracy. Yeah, you're supposed to be. That's like here too. When when you know stores had um, limited amounts of people in, and people were waiting in line outside Walmart. I'm like, hell will freeze over the day I wait outside of fucking Walmart to go shop. Like, are you kidding mm. me? Like no, <laughs> it's not. It's not happening. But I mean, hey, if you don't have a choice between eating, oh no, I get it. I'm just saying that's nothing. Some scary but it's stuff it's just crazy. Like it. it, no, it's crazy. Exactly, you don't even realize that it's happening because it's out of necessity that you're doing it. But then you're less like, whoa, like how did we get here? It's like it's you like, know? do I go get the bread and eat, or do I bitch and not go get the bread? Like you're kind of stuck. It's like a double edged sword. It's like, all right, exactly. let me go grab the bad bread and then tell you fuck off. You're a socialist. Like that's like, you know, <laughs> is that how I do it? Like, yeah, it's a tough situation because I, I totally get what even Teresa was saying before. Like you're even saying, it's like you know, it's like you were saying how Americans don't seem to, you know, they seem to, I guess, stick up more. But like you, you kind of get put in situations, and it's like, well, if I want to mm-hmm. survive and move on, I kind of have to do what I have to do and shut the fuck up and move on, or do I? Cause a scene and get nowhere. Right. You know, it's like, it's like these situations kind of suck because it puts you in the spot to where it's like, in order for me to keep living, I almost have to just shut up and go along with what's going on. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's a shitty situation. That's, that's by design. They're you know, finding a way to put us in the corner at, at yeah. all costs. You know, I always, we're always finding ourselves in the corner and not being able to do anything, you know? Yeah, accept, exactly. You know, we just have to accept and just do whatever it takes. Yeah. We had fuel shortages. We don't have that anymore, but we had fuel shortages. We had to wait in line for fuel for hours and hours and hours. Like I'm talking about, it was crazy. We had diesel shortages. We had food shortages, all of that stuff. You know, it was, it just kept happening and happening and happening. It's just, and still happening today. We had water shortages. Remember, I talked to you about the water shortages. I remember that. Yes, I drinking remember. Drinking water shortages. Drinking. Wow. Yeah, you were going to like all these places just to find bottled water, and I'm guess I'm assuming. I mean, I don't know for sure, but in Lebanon, drinking water is not like you can't just open your tap. No, you can't drink. open your tap. So Lebanon is known for its water. We have a lot of springs up in the mountains. Oh, okay. So people in the mountains can actually go and source their own water. That's okay. to do in the in the mountains of Lebanon, right? And people in Beirut don't have that luxury. No. If you have fuel shortages and water shortages, you're not going to make, you know, a 20 mile oh. drive anywhere to go, or even higher up to go source your own water. You know, so. Holy yeah, you like basically to drink. You guys just drink all of these bottled water, basically, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Malta is like that. I remember just like always buying bottled water like nonstop. Yeah. That's crazy. That's insane. The bread and water situation is very weird. West Coast of, of the United States is like that. I mean, Los Angeles was like that too. They don't have the tap water. Or you have to put your own like filter on it. But you cannot drink the water that comes out of the tap in, in, in Los Angeles. Yeah. I don't know. I've never been there. But like even here in Toronto, I mean, you could certainly drink it. It's not like... It's going to, you know, make you sick right away or anything. I mean, how healthy it is long term, I don't know. We use filters and the Berkey. Did you ever end up getting that? Did you get a Berkey? No, I didn't. I didn't because uh, I think it was, uh, 
I mean, I think it's good as a last resort because I went in and I, I listened to a lot of podcasts. I think as mm-hmm. a last resort filter, it's good because it, it's it's still considered hard water, so it's a little bit tough yeah. on the kidneys. So I, I ended up opting for a different one. Um, yes. Luckily, we don't have water shortages, so we're still okay. So. <laughs> That's good. When did all that start to ease up, like the fuel shortages and, and whatnot? Um, so last summer, it was there. I remember that pretty, pretty uh, well. I think mm-hmm. it started to... So the reason why it was there, well, this is the reason for Lebanon, but now you see it in Pakistan happening, you see it happening in Sri Lanka, you see it happening around the world. And uh, the reason it was happening here is because they weren't finding, so if our dollar at the time was for 20,000, we were selling the barrel of fuel for let's say 15 at a dollar. So they were also taking the fuel from here and going to Syria to sell it in the black market there to make dollars. So they were making a profit off of this stuff. So we were just, finding a way to steal and steal and steal. And so what was happening was like the gasoline stations, this was what we were told, were closing off at certain times. So they would only open for like say three hours. And so you would have to wait in line, making it harder for the people who were stealing the fuel and and taking it to sell it to actually, you know, come up with a, a, to actually make a profit, you know? And so, and, and, uh, and so that's what basically, the reason they said was a fuel shortage. So when they made it, when when they made it uh, at the dollar, so we buy fuel for the dollar now on, in dollar rate. And so just basically whatever the barrel is outside, whatever it, it runs on the stock market, it's what it's equivalent to here. So it goes up, it goes up, it goes down, it goes down here. It's the same thing. So that's when it became uh, there. But now fuel is crazy expensive. Prior, uh, prior, you just mentioned something now. I, I maybe I'm just misunderstanding. Prior to this happening, how was fuel bought there? I mean, like you said something about the dollar. Was the dollar not yeah, we, used? We imported a dollar, but we were we. Oh. So we always dealt with two different um, two different uh, currencies here: the U.S. dollar and the Lebanese lira. Oh, okay. And it was right. always from when I moved here in like uh, 93, 94, It was always a thousand five hundred to the dollar, and it never really changed. So if you go into a supermarket and you pay ten dollars, that was worth fifteen thousand. He would return, you know, two thousand to you, or he would give you a dollar or whatever it was, you know. So you you didn't really care. So we always had dollars and Lebanese liras in our in our wallet. You know, we were oh, okay. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah. And now it's like if you have a dollar, now you're you're you know you're lounging because it's really you're sick. rich. Yeah. <laughs> so if you only had a Lebanese lira bank account at the time and you needed a thousand us dollars they would just you know like uh give you the the conversion rate right there at the bank now you cannot do that now like you cannot even access the bank accounts wow so you can't even get american dollars there at all you can get a very little american dollars but so if if i wanted to get 400 american dollars they would actually subtract a thousand six hundred from my bank account uh and that's all i'm allowed to take per month but oh. anything new that comes in, I'm okay. I can take it all. Mm. That's interesting. Very weird. Yeah. Capital control, kind of everything. So a lot of the people who worked their whole lives outside of Lebanon came here to retire, put the money in the bank, and just they're they're basically you know it's history. A lot of people had you know had problems. A lot of people got depressed. A lot of people died because of this. You know, it's like you work your whole life and then. Yeah bank just says here's two hundred dollars a month 
and they only give you so much depending on how much you have inside. So if you yeah, have it's like proportionate. Yeah. yeah, that's why you got to keep your money under your mattress. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be a bad idea. Put it between some chicken cutlets and throw it in the freezer. Right, <laughs> exactly like old school Italian way. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, in, just in, in a variety of places. <laughs> we have to learn from Pablo Escobar. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh my gosh, honestly, man, I think the banks are the worst mafia in the world. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you nailed it on the head with that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I just wondering, like two years later now, how do you feel about everything and where things are going in your country? So, regarding the explosion, I'm definitely at complete peace with it. Like I'm complete peace. I don't want to know. Any- I was at complete peace last year, so we were we were on the verge between going down to the protest that was happening that day because we, our family was affected, affected physically, mentally. And sure. the, and financially by the explosion, you know, all all of the above, and so we were actually, you know, getting ready to go down, and then you know, I was the one who instigated. I said, you know what, this let's get a few candles, and we wait until six o four. We'll pray, and then we'll just watch everything on TV. I don't want to go in between the people, and yeah. I don't want to, you know, have to deal with the, that stuff uh, 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 again and again and again, you know, and so. I, we make peace with it. So it's been a year. I, we have all made peace with it. We're good to go. We still get startled. I think my daughter has made a full recovery from it because I think they just kind of see what we're doing. If we're okay, they're okay. You know, if we're scared, they're scared, you know. So I think she's made a full recovery. And me and my wife are doing are doing okay. I mean, we've made full recovery. We made peace. We don't care about what happened. We don't want to know the truth. We don't, you know, whatever. You know, whatever. It, yeah, it, if they tell us today what happened, how do we know it's the truth? You know, it's whatever. For sure, I you think know? that's the important part too. Like, whatever's happening all around the world is as, as long as they don't steal your joy. In the end, like it really doesn't matter. You know, that's Absolutely. like the, for me, that's the important part because we really we could theorize all day long mm-hmm. and you know try to figure it out, but at the end of the day, we really don't know. Absolutely, absolutely. Right? Yeah. We will never know. No. You know yeah, Russia sure. comes out and says they have footage <laughs> of the of the of uh, that day from the satellite, and we're gonna we're gonna go with it publicly. And then everybody loved ones like, yeah, go with it publicly. And they, they just basically scare. They're trying to scare somebody with it, and then they don't go with it publicly. Just do it for God's sake, man. Just do it, and let's see what actually happened, you know. And then they don't. But again, how do we know those satellite images are real? You know, if, if they do come up with it, so. Totally. Yeah, it's it's important, like, how uh, NYU were harping on this a little bit before, like, you can get into dangerous territory thinking, like, nothing is real, you know, like, if you really start to think about that. But it's important, I think, to stay grounded in, like, yes, actual things happen, and there's actual people getting hurt, and, you know, just to keep life as positive as you can, right? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. For yeah. sure. Uh, well, definitely did happen. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Is there anything you wanted to add and why? No, I think uh, all the questions that I had about this thing, you know, those little specific things. Uh, and like yeah. I said before, I just think it's great that you came on because at least that's, you know, like I was saying before, you get some people who say this stuff didn't even happen. You know, it did, you know, and. 
I, I, I understand them. I mean, they're, they're another part yeah. of the world. You know, they, they just basically watching whatever comes on and their favorite uh, TV or YouTube host or whatever. And then they just fall, fall into the trap, you know, and, uh, it's okay. It'll, and plus, they will, they, will, uh, they will get it someday or another. Plus, just mm-hmm. even hearing all the other stuff about, like, I think it's wild for one. I mean, like you said, the building's still there. It's just blown up. Nothing's been done. And just like, I never would have guessed all the other repercussions that came after that. You know, it's actually yeah. really, you know, it's a sucky yeah. story. For real. Like, there's a lot more behind it than what we just saw in those few minutes or a few seconds on a screen on Instagram. Absolutely. Absolutely. More than I ever would have thought of. I never would have thought of all the other stuff you were just talking about. A lot of buildings didn't get fixed yet. You know, a lot of buildings didn't get fixed yet. We don't have the money to fix them. You know, this is, this is like, like when, when it happened in New York, they fix it right away because they have the money, you know, the municipality, the country, they brought together and they fix it up, you know, and they, they cleaned it up. People who lost loved ones still have to go by that site and see the rubble and the explosion still there. And, Two years later, which is which is sad, you know, like that thing actually killed my husband, my son, my daughter, my you know, my mom, whatever, and it's still there. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I was like thinking about. Like, I it's uh, it's pretty surreal because, like, you're even saying if that would have happened, like, you know, a mile away from me, or something blew up, that within a week that shit would probably have been cleaned up and gone already. Yeah, you know, and like we sit here, like, you know, not. I'm not saying how great this country is either, but like, you know, Americans think it's like everything's so fucked up and it's like, I'm hearing your story and I'm just like, if I, if, if this happened over here, that'd be cleaned up and, you know, they'd already be talking about what are we going to build here so we can make more money. You know what I'm saying? Like that, it's just very, it's surreal listening to your story. It is, it is, it is, it is. It's too bad. It's a beautiful country, to be honest with you. It's a beautiful country. We have beautiful climate, you know, we're on the Mediterranean Sea. And beautiful country, beautiful people. And I think that's what still keeps us here. You know, that's what still keeps us in this country. And yeah. uh, fortunately, the rest is not as good, but we still have some good people wanting to make this country as it is today, as it is, you know, as it should be, let's say. Well, and that's what I'm will one, make a country good is the people. I'm one of them. I don't want to leave. You know, if, if, you know, we always said if no war breaks out, we will never leave this country, you know, and, and I'm still with it, you know. Even though the, that explosion happened, but if we had access to our bank accounts at the time, we might have been gone. But we're still here now. <laughs> we didn't have a way to leave. That's so wild. we're still here, and I'm, I'm, we're still gonna kick it. We're, you know, we're gonna kick it here, and we're gonna try to make it through. Yeah, and I love your like your outlook on it, John. Honestly, like it has not stolen your your joy or your spirit at all, which I love so much. So that's amazing. And then, what's the name of your book? Like, if people were interested, it's called Flex. It's flex. Called, yes, it's called Flex, and then the subtitle is "I'm just going to move here." So, true functions of the most controversial muscles. Ooh. So that's <laughs> so it actually talks about the true what I believe are the true functions of the muscles. Uh, it's a very different take on on uh, on uh, the way people should view muscles. So that's basically how it is. That's really cool. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. Thank and you. This was really, really lovely. Thank you yeah. for having me. It was a yeah, honor. thank you. And we'll put like links to your like your web pages and um, everything when we put up the episode thank for sure. You, thank, you. thank you. I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah that was really uh, I have to, I, that was really interesting. Uh, you know what's funny is that 
I knew the topic when we were coming on, but like as you were talking, it didn't click in my mind. Like, holy fuck, this is the thing that happened like two years ago that was all over the fucking TV. Yeah. Yeah, like I remember you, Teresa explaining it to me, but it didn't really totally click until <laughs> now. I was like, holy fuck, wait, this is that shit that happened. This is a really wild story to hear it come from somebody's mouth that was, like you said, a, a mile and a half away. It's really weird and wild story. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just funny so much we're talking about it, it now when it's almost two years to the anniversary. Yeah. Like probably this will come out probably Monday. And I don't know what day Monday is, but it's August something, I think. Yeah. <laughs> almost there. I think it will be almost there. Yeah. It'll yeah. There, I think. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, thank you, John, so much. Yeah. And thank then, you. Um, you know, we can find all the... All the stuff in the bottom, and yeah, we'll see you in the next Spiritual Gangsters. <laughs> Thank you very much, John, and I had a good time. Thank you. Me too. Uh, Thanks. Later. Bye.